You're listening to another episode of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Sarah. He's Alex. And in a shocking twist of fate, our Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals dream came true. Hello, everyone. Welcome to probably the most exciting episode of Chirps that you've heard in quite some time, at least since probably the Paul Goldschmidt signing, I would imagine, because yes, Nolan Arenado, the unicorn that John Mozeliak and company have dreamed of for years, is officially a St. Louis Cardinal. Alex, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around that being true, And that doesn't even get to the actual deal, which we'll discuss in a moment. But first of all, first things first, (laughs) we spent a long time last week talking about how this organization had just stopped trying. And then they go out and do this and not only pull off Nolan Arenado, but do it without giving up any of their their top prospects for the future either. So John Mozeliak and company, my sincerest gratitude and apologies for doubting you. Although I will say, I think we were fair in our comments, just perhaps a little too soon to give you a chance to get this done. Alex, they made it happen. They did. And I'll say this, I have zero regrets about last week's episode or the episode before that. We were reacting to what was the situation at the time. And the situation at the time all goes back to that tweet we were talking about last week in which the NL Central, no one in the NL Central had done anything. And uh, obviously that included the Cardinals. The, the Cubs since have, I guess, made a few moves and the Cardinals then made some huge moves. Uh, and so <laughs> I couldn't be happier. But yeah, uh, everything we said last week was true. It's just... Not true this week, so we're not going to do the same episode. (laughs) Thank goodness. We had done that episode so many times. I'm very glad to not be reusing that old material. And yes, it's wild to consider Nolan Arenado as a Cardinal because it's something that's been in that rumor mill for, it seems like, forever. Although in the introductory press conference, John Mazalek suggested that they had only really been in pursuit of a possible Nolan Arenado trade since December of 2020, but he's been on their radar for a lot longer than that. Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you about this because I feel like we first heard interest in Arenado going back to, what, 2018? Is that fair Mm -hmm. to say? And let's just pretend for the sake of this, that that's actually the case. Because I, I, I do believe it is. I feel like I remember seeing reporting on that at the time, although I could be wrong. But again, let's pretend that is the case. That always kind of struck me as sort of odd that they had this really big fascination with him, not because he's not a good player, because he's a great player, but because there were also other good players out there um, who kind of came and went that they didn't seem to have as much interest in. So it's it's very interesting to me that they seem to have, again, I could be wrong, but they seem to have this very big interest in Arenado and that they got him. And I, and I think uh, if both things are true, then I think that's, that speaks well to, to Mosaic. Like he, he, he did it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it 
speaks a little bit to the secrecy of what their plans actually are. And that's totally fair. Look, we talk about this from an outsider perspective because we're not in the room where they're discussing, okay, what do we want this team to look like two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And if in fact they had their eyes on this particular move, way back in 2018, right? When they didn't sign Harper, they didn't sign Machado, they didn't go after some of those big pieces then. Even Donaldson, right, was in that conversation. And it always seemed like maybe less reporting of the Cardinals are going to try to get Arenado and more the conversation of, but actually the guy they really want is Nolan Arenado. And they kind of held off on a lot of those other things to get to this point. So perhaps as often as we have thought, it doesn't look like they even have a plan. <laughs> this was actually the plan all along. And to pull it off in the way that they did, Alex, to get money from Colorado, as well as not sending your entire future in your your minor league system as far as top prospects go... Look, Austin Gomber's great, and I hope that he does really well. I hope that he shows the potential consistently that we've seen from him at times in St. Louis. But we know the pitching situation in St. Louis is always trying to operate from a surplus, so that seemed to make sense. And then they got Nolan Arenado without giving up Nolan Gorman, without giving up Dylan Carlson, without giving up Matthew Libertor. I mean... Does this make any sense from a Rockies perspective? Or is this John Mozeliak being an absolute genius? <laughs> huh. Well, first, I want to point out that my whole life up until yesterday, I've been saying Arenado. Um, so I'm happy to know that I know how to pronounce his name correctly, and it's Arenado. Um, that'll be good to know going forward. Uh, so yeah, let's let's break down exactly what happened here. So in terms of like all the roadblocks and everything, all the moving parts it took to get this deal done. And this is not my specialty. So if, if I leave something out, absolutely chime in. Um, but from memory, um, and that's from reading other people's stuff and everything that I've, you know, it's been a whirlwind the last 48 hours or so, but this is what I believe is going on. So first off, Nolan Arnato had to waive his no trade clause or maybe last off, you know, that could have been the last thing, you know, once the deal was in place to do, but that was obviously a thing that had to happen. And he still had six years remaining, right. In 199 million. Yeah. So as it was first reported, I believe it was like, okay, so the Cardinals are going to get those six years, but they're also getting 50 million. So that bumped it down to 149 million, uh, meaning the Cardinals would be on the hook for 149 million in the rock because the Rockies are sending them 50 million. Well, as we learned more, as the deal was finalized, it sounds the Cardinals, I think to kind of, what is the reason to add? Cause they added on another year. So now he's going through his age 36 yeah. season, I believe. So the Cardinals could have him could, and we'll get to that in a second, could have him for up to seven seasons. Um, and so I believe that bumps up, what they are on the hook for, again, if he's here all seven seasons, to about 170, 175 million. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I, I think the the additional year was sort of compensation for waiving the no trade clause. Waiving the no trade. There you go. Okay. And he also they also added another opt-out. So he originally Correct. had that first opt-out after next season, which is probably why he got traded in the first place, right? It sounds like the Rockies mm -hmm. did not feel confident that they were going to be able to 
that he was going to opt out, even if it meant losing money. And right. uh, True Blood in his newsletter made a very good case that he was probably going to opt out and lose money, but he was going, he was definitely going to opt out. That's right. how I guess toxic this relationship has become. Yeah. I don't want to assume anything, but I think it's safe to assume that the relationship was not as good as you would want between a star player. And well, to a- be fair, that's more or less what the Rockies said in their press conference <laughs> this morning is that they didn't believe he was going to stay even if they didn't trade him. So that's so their reasoning for the trade. Right. So there's an opt out after this next season, but also they added another opt out after the 20. 20- 22 season correct right. mm-hmm. so two opt-outs neither of which um ex- unless something unforeseen happens i think we can safely say he's not going to exercise those two i mean you know he's going to be old he's going to be in his 30s i mean w- who knows what the financial landscape of baseball looked like at the time but i feel pretty good about him being with the cardinals at least almost the duration of that whole contract yeah. you never know what happens at the end of a contract in terms of a guy getting traded. Although he does, I believe another part of the trade is he gets the no trade clause again, right? So he, yeah. he he keeps that no trade clause with the Cardinals. So there's a very good chance, let's say there's a very good chance the Cardinals are going to have him through his age 36 season. So age is 30, he's 30 now, or he's going to be 30 soon for this upcoming year. And they're going to have him through ages 30 through 36. Right. And in return, the Cardinals sent the Rockies Austin Gomber, Mateo Gill, uh, Aluris Montero, and Tara, forgive me because I I haven't even heard of these last two prospects. And believe me, that's not on them. That's on me. I'm not a prospects person like, say, Kyle. Uh, but Tony, is it Lochi? I'm honestly not entirely sure okay. the pronunciation there. Okay. And, and Jake Summers. Uh, right. And that's the deal. um and we now that is also the reaction from rockies fans i'd imagine wait what and the cardinals (laughs) now have nolan arenado to round out their infield although we still we don't know who's going to be at second base a very good chance it's going to be tommy edmund i think we in our hopes and dreams it's going to be colton wong but i'm not going to get too confident or get my hopes up about that um Regardless, if you're like me, I'm a huge fan of infield defense. I, I'm a big fan of having a solid infield defense. And say what you want about how his bats, how Arenado's bat might play at a place like Bush, which is pretty pitcher friendly, or I should say, very pitcher friendly. Just having him there at third base really excites me. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are exciting about that for me. And I will also say in the Cardinals introductory press conference, Derek Gould actually asked Nolan what he would consider as far as whether or not he'd opt out either of those two chances. He didn't even acknowledge that part of the question and essentially just said, I plan to be here for a really long time. I don't, I don't plan on going anywhere. So to your point, I don't think he's, he's looking to go back to the free agency market as some players might. And that, he could change his mind. That would have been a hell of a time to announce he's opting out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm only going to be here a year. Uh, no. But he basically said what all Cardinals fans would have wanted to hear. And what I'm sure he told the, the front office as well in, in the conversations that they had, presumably through his agent. But nonetheless, um, 
he wants to be there and he wants to be there for a long time. He wants to be part of the organization, not just mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a flash in their one season legacy, whatever that might be. So that's where he seems to be coming at this from. But man, yes, the defense is something that I'm I'm seriously looking forward to. I love watching him play at third base and the range that he has is only going to make Paul DeYoung better. I think the steadiness of the two corner infield spots now defensively, it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think with the pitching that the Cardinals tend to produce, good defense on the infield is critical to their success. So that's also helpful. But yeah, I realize there's the the doubters because he plays at Coors. I realize there's the age factor. I realize there's the Bush factor and the fact that, I don't know, playing for the Cardinals in this decade seems to sap a lot of the offensive power from some guys. I don't know what that is. But there's so much about adding a player of this caliber to this offense, as well as the defense, but specifically offensively, that is such a boost to the other players. I I think it makes Paul Goldschmidt better. I think it makes Paul DeYoung better. I think it takes some of the pressure off Dylan Carlson. And who knows what that all looks like when you find the, the, uh, you know, scorecards at the end of the season, but it gives all of those players. We've talked about this before at the trade deadline, right? Where it's almost like as a, as a player, I would think, man, give us something to get us over the hump. And, We've already heard reporters talking about texting players and and players saying, man, this is the piece we needed. This is the missing link. This is what's going to get us there. We haven't heard that from the the conversation around the Cardinals in a really long time. Yeah. And to your point, you know who I, you know, you know, the type of player who I think this helps and this might sound weird, but Harrison Bader. And and I'll tell you why. Um, I think I've, made this point before, but if you stick Harrison Bader on, say, the 2004 Cardinals, and he plays good defense, um, and he hits below average or something like that, even though, let's not forget, Harrison Bader did not hit below average last year. Um, take that for what you will, 60-game season or whatever, but let's say you stick Harrison Bader on the 2004 Cardinals, he plays good center field defense, but doesn't hit well. No one cares, because he's on a, an offense that is awesome, and right. no one cares what Harrison Bader is doing at the plate. Just like in 2004, no one cared that Mike Matheny could not hit a lick. He mm-hmm. was terrible at the plate. And, you know, the way we, being online was a very different thing in 2004. But I, but I guarantee if you had that same sort of Twitter culture that you do now, we would not have spent the whole season complaining about Mike Matheny's at the plate because everyone else was very, very good. Now, adding Nolan Arenado to this team does not turn them into the 2004 Cardinals. But... It certainly helps. <laughs> it, 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 it allows someone like Harrison Bader to just bring his strengths to the game. And we don't have to maybe worry as much if he's not, if he's not a above average hitter. Does that make yeah. sense? Um, oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, and so I know everyone's talking about Goldschmidt and stuff like that. And I get it, but I, I look more kind of down the line of, of where this could help and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, and I, I also didn't want to make it sound as though I don't believe in his bat at a place like Bush. I I I, I think he's going to do just fine. And you know, people smarter than me have already pointed out that you can't just look at a guy's road splits who plays in cores as this is who he is. Because one, right. players all over baseball, even if they don't play at cores, usually have home road splits just because it's different being on the road. Um, you know, you're traveling, all that. 
you often just don't hit as well on the road. You're not as familiar with place, whatever the reason. It's even more drastic for players from cores because of just the difference in air pressure. You know, they're, they're not as accustomed to, to playing there as cores is just such is, I think they said on effectively wild today, it's basically like playing on the moon. So if you had a team that played on the moon and then they played half their games on earth, their, their home road splits are going to look pretty crazy. And I, I think, you know, we've seen that certainly be the case with, with guys who, who have played at cores and then gone on to hit just fine elsewhere. Yeah. I think Matt holiday is a pretty good yeah, example go. of someone who figured out how to hit outside of core, uh, outside of course field. And yes, it's a factor. I don't think anyone's trying to disregard it completely. I think it gets a little bit exaggerated in terms of trying to decide if a player's good or not. We'll have to see what Arnado does playing in St. Louis half of the season instead of in Colorado half the season. But that doesn't take away from what he's been able to do in the circumstances in which he's had to play. A lot of times guys will talk about the challenge playing for the Rockies is just the inconsistency, right? Of playing in Colorado, getting used to that, figuring it out, then going somewhere else. So the, the long uh, road trips may actually make it harder when you come back to Colorado to readjust. And so there are a lot of factors there that obviously will, time will tell what that means for Arenado as a St. Louis Cardinal. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think that there's a lot that he will do. There's a lot that he can adjust to that will make people just as excited, whether his numbers are exactly what they were at cores or not. I also I think it's a great point about players like Harrison Bader. I think it's a great point about a, a number of players who've kind of been put in sort of premier offensive positions in this, this lineup because they had to, because they weren't getting that offense from anyone else. And it could take a little bit of the pressure off. I mean, we often talked at times how this lineup looked like it could be pretty strong from top to bottom. But then when anybody underperforms, you don't have that consistency in the middle of the lineup that will carry you through those slumps for anyone else. Hopefully now they do. We'll see how that works out. But it definitely gives an uptick to the to the possibility of maintaining some sort of consistent offense, um, you know, as opposed to just going completely ice cold. And I think that's I think that's a really big deal. I think that there are a lot of ways this makes this team better. I think Matt Carpenter is a really interesting part of this whole scenario because in a lot of ways, I think many people, myself included, thought the commitment to Matt Carpenter in the past might be something that blocked a move for an Arenado type moving forward. And it didn't, but there's still not a clear idea of what Matt Carpenter will be for this team, which is particularly interesting coming after he has made yet again, uh, another big, I don't know, not, not big to do because Matt Carpenter doesn't do big to do's, but he's, he's said quite vocally and quite strongly, I want to be that guy again. And that's what they need. They need me to be the guy that I was before and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. Uh, what does this do to the Matt Carpenter role in St. Louis this year? Well, let's approach this as if he does have a role in St. Louis, meaning he's not going to be moved or anything like that. He's not going to be what you just described because the plate appearances just aren't going to be there. We're not going to we're not going to play him at second base uh, 150 games for the season. He's obviously not going to 
be at third base uh, for <laughs> at all, except for when uh, except for when Nolan is uh, you know taking a day off or, or whatever. That said, strange things or not not strange things. Things happen in baseball every year. Players get hurt. Things happen. I believe a player like Matt Carpenter, there's still a role for him on this team to somehow get 350 plate appearances. Now, if that goes against what he wants, then I would totally get that because, you know, he's, he's had a very good career. He's, how old is Matt Carpenter now? He's probably entering his age 36 season would be my guess or age 35 season. Um, He's had a wonderful career, but he is approaching that age where you, you don't have the skills you once had as, as we've seen with him from both 2019 and 2020. And that's totally fine. Someone in our chat, I don't remember who though, made the point that we've seen nothing from Matt Carpenter other than him, at least on the outside looking in, which is what we are, of him being the ultimate teammate. And and there's been several things that he's done that I could rattle off right now to back that up, which is funny because he seems, some people seem to think he's like this prima donna or (laughs) I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the way he acts at the plate when he, you know, he's, he's not afraid to let the umpire know when he misses Uh a call and you know, he has a good batting eye. So, you know, he, he notices when, uh, <laughs> when, when a ball is called a strike. And sometimes he, he will complain when a strike is called a strike. But be mm-hmm. that as it, as it may, he's been nothing but, again, to us, from what we can tell, an awesome teammate. So it would not surprise me if he does sort of glide into that guy who's getting 250 to 350 plate appearances a year comes up pinch hitting is, is often in the lineup when there's uh, you know, a righty on the mound filling in wherever he can, uh, you know, at second base or, or third base. That's, that's what I would like to see because he's been such a good Cardinal. He, after Yadier Molina or maybe even before Yadier Molina has been the most important Cardinal this decade. Yeah. It would nice to see him kind of ride out his career with the team that said, and John Fleming wrote this piece at St. Louis bullpen. Kind of, if, if you can, if there's a good situation for him elsewhere and that's what he wants, it would certainly make sense to both parties. I don't know if that situation exists though, because I don't know if there's a team that's dying to give him 600 plate appearances. Yeah. Um, I, but I could be wrong. Who knows? And, and he could be right in that he's what we saw from him last year is not him. And really what is him is more his 2018 season, which I think we would all agree was his last really, really good season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think there the the flip side of what you just said about him being a great teammate is that he's also been the guy that was doubted his whole career. And he's said that, that people told me I wasn't good enough in college. People told me I wasn't good enough as a pro. People told me I wasn't good enough as a big leaguer. And I just went to work and, and made myself into the player that was good enough. So I never put it past Matt Carpenter to reinvent himself and find a, a different gear or get back to something that worked for him in the past. Like baseball is really hard. And Though I cannot speak from experience, I am told it's significantly harder as you get older in this game and you just don't have quite the the same everything, the same anything that you did when you were, you know, 22 and, and at, at the peak of your ability to adapt quickly. So what Matt Carpenter does, I think, 
you're right. He'll be a good teammate. He'll be absolutely supportive. And one of the guys that is cheering from the top step, if that's what his role is, if he ends up going on a tear offensively as a pinch hitter, and if the NL ends up with the DH again this year, maybe he does something spectacular for this team. And that sort of reinforces the player that he's been in St. Louis. But that's obviously... We've got plenty of time to debate the the lineup, who plays when and where, and how it all shakes out. What we do know is that Nolan Arenado will be part of it, and that is pretty, pretty cool to be able to say. Uh, John Mosellock said without hesitation, we might not be done. So maybe there's more coming. Maybe it's just some smaller moves like we've seen them make in the past, but who knows? They're they're riding pretty high on this uh, Nolan Arenado situation. So we'll see what comes of that. Real quick to that, because I was watching the press conference today too. When he said that, my ears kind of perked up because I took that to mean more than just Yadier Molina, which right. seems, look, I don't want to, I don't know, jinx the right word, but it seems almost a foregone conclusion right now that Yadier Molina is going to be back with the Cardinals. Um, Derek Gould, who is very good and not someone who says things when he sh- should not say things, almost alluded to as much last night. Yeah. Now, and maybe he misspoke when he said it, but he said something to the effect of Nolan Arenado's future teammate, Yadier Molina, or something like that. Maybe he was just, you know, as happens to all of us, just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't thinking the right way. You know, I don't know. But I, I think it's fair to say that Yadier Molina will probably be back next year. So I took that to mean something else, whether that means Colton Wong, whether it means another starting pitcher, which, you know, wouldn't hurt in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And to bring it back to Arenado, and this is something you brought up earlier when we were both talking about him at third base, you know, this is a team that is going to be starting Adam Wainwright next year. It's going to be starting uh, Michaelis next year, KK. Um, These are all guys who don't strike out a ton of guys, um, at least compared to uh, your average starting pitcher. Uh, Dakota Hudson is going to be on the shelf next year, but he'll be back presumably the season after that, another guy who, who, you know, pitches to contact. It's going to be awesome having Nolan Arnato at yeah. third base. <laughs> it really is. And I, yeah. I cannot be more excited. I don't know if it's recency bias, but you said right at the beginning that this is the most excited we've been since Paul Goldschmidt. I think I'm more excited than I yeah. was for Goldschmidt, even though at the time, uh, Goldschmidt's bat hasn't quite been what it was in Arizona, although it's been totally fine. But at the time, I think we would both agree that Goldschmidt was the more promising hitter of the two. But I'm more excited about Arenado, I think, because of the, the position he plays, the just the excitement. And it's funny because Paul Goldschmidt is as good of a defensive first baseman as you will find in the league. But defense at first base just doesn't jump <laughs> off the screen like it does at third base or shortstop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm just mm-hmm. – this is going to be a, a really good reason to just – tune in every night and it's funny because you and I were both talking about or at least I was saying like this is the least excited I've been in my adult life about the Cardinals and that has totally flipped now (laughs) like apparently all I needed was something like this to now I could not be more excited now I'm like all right everyone get vaccinated let's get fans in the stands yeah let's (laughs) let's come on work that you know uh owners quit being stupid and you know don't risk any sort of work stoppage uh you know for not this year but next year like you know we can't we can't screw this up you know so yeah, i'm yeah. excited I think it's true though it's um sometimes all you needed and we've been saying this for a while is that the cardinals just needed the the billboard player mm-hmm. and not that paul goldschmidt isn't that guy he's uh, paul goldschmidt is that quietly 
exceptional kind of person, but isn't necessarily the one that is grabbing all the headlines. And that's fine. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's how he's been successful in the past. I feel like Arenado maybe is a little more comfortable with the spotlight, a little bit more emotional in the way that he plays the game, not to any sort of extreme. I mean, we're not talking about uh, some like uh, Fernando Tatis or, or any of those players that are, are everywhere all over because of their energy and excitement in the game, but a little bit more, a little bit more flavor to it. And maybe that adds to the excitement factor because he gets excited about what happens on the baseball field too. So I'm with you. I'm ready for it to start. I want to see it happen, of course, safely. And that's a whole nother conversation we don't have time for today because there's apparently a new back and forth between the players and the owners and what's going to happen with the start of baseball season. So we'll see how that plays out in the next week or so. But We've said enough, I think, at this point about Arenado in an introductory fashion. Hopefully there will be a lot more to say as the season gets underway. But Alex, before we shut it down for today to go uh, celebrate the Arenado official announcement, we got to end with a chirp of the week. Yes. Uh, so this is going to be a very lazy chirp of the week, a very quick chirp of the week. Um, but it's going to be about Cardinals third baseman. And when news became official when it was definitely clear that this was going to happen, when they sounded like everyone had actually signed on the dotted line that they needed to sign on. I, I went on StatHead on BaseballReference.com. I was just curious about the top 10 seasons by a Cardinals third baseman according to war. So I sorted by war, and I'm just going to rattle off the top 10 seasons for you. Um, okay. Best season ever, according to War, for a Cardinals third baseman. Probably won't surprise you. 2004, Scott Rowland. 9.2 wins above replacement. 9.2. This was on a team in which people say Jim Edmonds played the best baseball they've ever seen anyone see see during that summer. And also on a team with Albert Pujols. And Scott (laughs) Rowland had a 9.2 wins above uh, War that season. Uh, That that, that team was incredible. Um, Number two, Ken Boyer, 8.0. Number three, Ken Boyer, 7.4. Number four, Ken Boyer, 6.9. Number five, Ken Boyer, 6.4. Number six, Ken Boyer, (laughs) 6.1. Number seven, Pepper Martin, uh, 6.1, wins above replacement. Number eight, Ken Boyer, six wins above replacement. Number nine, Whitey Kurowski, six wins above replacement. That was in 1947, if you were wondering when the Whitey Kurowski era was. And number 10, Scott Rowland. 5.9 wins above replacement in 2006. (laughs) So those are the 10 best seasons, again, by war, uh, baseball reference war for Cardinals third baseman. So if you're wondering if Nolan Arenado is going to, uh, let's, you know, let's say he plays uh, these next seven years in St. Louis, is he going to leave town as the best third baseman uh, this organization has ever seen? Maybe. But it would be pretty tough because there have been some very good ones. Uh, Scott yeah. Rowland is uh, not going to be in the Hall of Fame this year, but he probably will be in the very near future, I would say. That certainly seems like a reasonable thing to say that he might get elected, if not next year, maybe the year after that. And Ken Boyer, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Ken Boyer <laughs> in, should be in the Hall of Fame. One of the best third basemen, I would say probably the best third baseman the Cardinals have ever had, at least from a career standpoint, uh, from a compiling stats standpoint. I would say he is our best third baseman of all time. So Nolan Arenado, so happy to have him with the Cardinals. He has his work cut out for him if he wants to be the best third baseman the franchise has ever seen. But he seems like someone who would gladly take on that challenge. So 
I'm ready to watch it. I'm also ready to watch it. And especially if he does, in fact, take down that leaderboard <laughs> of the best seasons for a third baseman for a Cardinal. That would be pretty spectacular. And I think Rockies fans would hate the Cardinals forever. Uh, but I'm okay with it. I think I would be okay with watching well, that happen. I think Rockies fans, uh, before they hate the Cardinals, are going to hate their owner and general manager uh, for, for, for longer. Um, but no, I... I I feel for the Rockies fans out there. This is not their fault. Uh, this is not Nolan Arenado's fault either. Uh, this- Despite what the uh, ownership yeah. and management made it sound like today, um, when they clearly pushed all the blame off onto yeah. the now uh, red-clad <laughs> shoulders of Nolan Arenado. I was not watching, as I told you earlier. I don't enjoy watching car crashes as they're happening. Uh, so I was not watching the Rockies. Um, press conference but it is a shame they have i've never been that's a ballpark i've always it's one of the few ballparks i've really really wanted to visit always looks excellent on tv i think they seem to have a very fun and cool fan base so yeah not a great time to be a rockies fan uh hopefully some good things happen to them uh soon but in the meantime i'm going to enjoy the good things that happen to my favorite team even if it is at their expense Absolutely. Hey, that's the nature of uh, of being a sports fan, right? You got to take the wins where you get them. And I, I would say I, I do hope that that group from the Cardinals organization that now will make the trip to Colorado or to wherever ever those minor league facilities are, I, I wish them great success. I think there's plenty of talent in that group. It's not it's not as if the the Cardinals sent them total nobodies, right? It's just not the elite level prospects that you might have anticipated in a deal for you know, the face of a franchise, which is why we keep scratching our heads a little bit. But there's plenty of talent in that group. Hopefully they have great success in whatever role it is they can play for the Rockies, despite the ownership, despite the the comments from the top that we heard or saw via Twitter this afternoon. But Nolan Arenado, St. Louis Cardinal. I'm going to enjoy saying that over and over and over again. That is enough, though, from me and from Alex for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Share with a friend if you think that they want to share in the excitement about the newest Cardinal. And feel free to join us in that conversation on Twitter as always and let us know what other things you want us to complain about so that the next week John Mozalek and company take care of it for you we'll we'll do our part even if we have to uh, take a little heat for the criticism sometimes Alex as always it's been a pleasure we'll talk again real soon I will talk to you soon <laughs>